Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Friday. Hope everyone has had a good week. So I told you guys on Wednesday that I would be interviewing Lila Rose. That is a guest that a lot of you have asked me to have on and I've been so excited about it. But unfortunately, we had to reschedule last minute. But don't worry, we are going to be having her back on soon or we're going to be having her on for the first time soon. And we're going to have a great discussion. We're going to talk about, obviously, abortion, which is her expertise, the pro life movement, some of the things that are going on on a legislative level and the Supreme Court level. We will talk about birth control, a hot topic that a lot of you guys ask me to talk about. We are going to talk about some of the differences between Protestantism and Catholicism. So that should be a good, lighthearted, substantive debate. So uh, I really look forward to talking to her. And I know you guys are excited about that too. Today, since we kind of had to redirect last minute, we're going to be doing something fun. I am going to be sure showing you some highlight clips, or you will be listening to these highlight clips if you are not watching on YouTube, uh, of some of the craziest things and the best slash worst things that have happened over the past week or two. And we're going to talk about them. So we're going to talk about this crazy thing that happened with Joe Biden and a voter this week. We are going to talk about the Busy Phillips madness in front of the Supreme Court and maybe a couple other things if we have time. And for the things that we don't have videos for, because we might not have time or uh, have the ability to get videos for everything, we'll also be talking about headlines and things like that. So we'll see how much we actually get to. Uh, Before we get into our full episode, I want to tell you guys again about Simply Safe. I love Simply Safe. You guys know there are two ways to protect your home. You can do it the traditional way, where you have contracts, you've got a technician that comes out, they do a messy installation, they don't really care about the details, how it looks, and it costs a small fortune. Or you can have Simply Safe. Simply Safe is everything that you need in a home security system. It has award winning protection, two time winner of Cena Editor's Choice Award. And the best part of it, in my opinion, is in the name Simply Safe. It truly is simple. Like you don't have any contracts. It is really easy to set up. Like you can set this up in your home in an hour. You've got motion sensors if you need them. You've got uh, a sensor that tells you if a window breaks. You have everything, you video cameras, everything you could possibly need in a home security system. Uh, You have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police to your home at a moment's notice 24 seven. And it's only 50 cents a day. That's an amazing deal. It's why The Verge calls Simply Safe the best home security system, and I would have to agree. So go to simplysafe.com slash Allie. That is S-I-M-P-L-I, safe.com slash Allie, A-L-L-I-E. And when you do, you get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. So just try it for two months. See if you like it. If you don't like it, no big deal. And, uh, you know, there's no cost to you. That's really easy. Uh, you've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash Allie. That is simplysafe.com slash Allie. Okay, so we had another primary happen on March 10th. Results of that went into went in the direction of Joe Biden. So Joe Biden, comeback kid, man. I mean, a few weeks ago, we were saying Joe Biden down the tubes, in the tank. This guy was the uh, imagined front runner at one point. We said he is the one that is going to be able to win over the people in the middle of the country who no longer like Donald Trump or who maybe never liked Donald Trump but wouldn't vote for Hillary Clinton. They would vote for Joe Biden. He is going to get these blue collar workers. And, uh, you know, we thought that he was going to be the front runner. And then he completely uh, dropped. Like he just did not do well in the first two primaries 
series in the first the first caucus. He ended in fourth and fifth place, I think. He was down in the polls. Looked like Bernie Sanders was taking the lead for a second there. We even thought, hey, is Pete Buttigieg just going to do this huge upset? Uh, But then things changed on Super Tuesday for Joe Biden. He did really well. And the so-called moderate portion of the party, and by moderate, I just mean not communist. So that's how far the Democratic Party has moved to the left. They consolidated behind Joe Biden, which seemed to help. So right before Super Tuesday, you had Pete Buttigieg drop out. You had Amy Klobuchar drop out and they endorsed Joe Biden, two people that a lot of people saw as moderates that may have taken votes away from Joe Biden. But Elizabeth Warren stayed in, which presumably took some votes away from Bernie Sanders because she is in the left, left, left part of the party in the same way that Bernie Sanders is. So Bernie Sanders is no longer considered uh, the front runner like he was before Super Tuesday. So now we're back. We're back to believing that Joe Biden is a front runner and he is like he is basically the presumptive nominee at this point. Now, there is um, a debate as I'm recording this. There's a a debate coming up, and I do think that Bernie Sanders is going to do a, a better job in that. Again, Joe Biden has this issue to where he is just not articulate. Like we have played some videos in the past of him not even being able to quote the Declaration of Independence that all men were created. Oh, you know, the thing is what he said. Now, I've gotten this question before and it's it it makes me laugh. And I've seen these I've seen these tweets. I've seen these headlines saying, oh, people are making fun of Joe Biden for having a stutter. It's not that. I know people who have a stutter. I certainly do not believe in making fun of people for any kind of true disability, making fun of people, period, but making fun of people for some kind of legitimate speech impediment and you know, I guess he really did have a stutter growing up, but we're not talking about that. Like we're talking about memory loss and I'm not making fun of his memory loss. I'm not making fun of his inability to know where he is or what day it is or what the Declaration of Independence says. I'm not making light of these things. I am pointing out that for all the people who have talked about President Trump's mental fitness in office, he has not had the gaffes, if you can even call them gaffes, that Joe Biden has. He just has it. He looks, uh, Donald Trump looks sharp as a tack against Joe Biden. And so does Bernie Sanders. Like Bernie Sanders might be a kooky guy with some really terrible ideas, but he in general knows where he is. He knows what he's saying. He doesn't lose track of his thoughts. Like for all of his flaws and faults, he really is with it, especially for his age, Bernie Sanders. And Joe Biden just isn't. He doesn't have that stamina and that energy and the mental coherence to be able to go up in a debate against Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump. So that's the flaw of Joe Biden. As we talked about in the past, one of the perks of Joe Biden being the nominee is that I do think that he will get moderate people who don't like Donald Trump, but wouldn't vote for Bernie Sanders. And I think that's what we're seeing in his comeback, that a huge portion of the country doesn't want socialism. I don't know if the whole coronavirus thing is actually working in Joe's favor because they think, okay, Medicare for all in this case to where I couldn't choose my doctor to where hospitals are going to have a much smaller staff and lower quality of care. That's what would happen in Medicare for all would probably be not good in a pandemic. I mean, they're looking at places that have socialized health care and how they've been able to handle the coronavirus and it hasn't been good. And they're thinking, okay, you know, I don't think Bernie Sanders 
Sanders would actually be the best leader in this kind of scenario. And of course, people are right. Everyone who is scared of voting for Bernie Sanders uh, is is correct to think that he would not be a good leader in chaos like this. He might be good at ginning up passion, at getting energy, at motivating people to get out there and getting followers and things like that. I mean, he's like that kooky 1960s professor that students just love. I mean, he's kind of like that. But leftism is really good at activating. They're really good at activism, but it's not good at governing. Like leftism is not a governing principle. It's not an effective governing principle. And I'm hoping that maybe people are seeing that. So there is some encouragement to Joe Biden being the presumptive nominee that for now, I don't think it's forever, but for now, the Democratic Party is for the most part rejecting socialism. Joe Biden is going to be just as progressive, like he's going to be just as left wing. Uh, eventually, I, I do think that unfortunately that that leftism has taken hold of too much of the party establishment, at least in Washington, to where they are going to use Biden as a dummy to put forth all of their radical leftist and communistic ideas. But at least for now, voters are saying, you know, I don't want the Bernie Sanders form of leftism and socialism and all of that. Here is the problem with Joe Biden. Here's the problem for Joe Biden. So like I said, and here's where we get into the videos. Like I said, we think that we are afraid that as conservatives, as people who are planning to vote for Donald Trump, we are afraid that the people in the Rust Belt, blue collar workers, that those who don't like Donald Trump or have decided that Donald Trump hasn't come through on his promises over the past four years, that they would vote for Joe Biden, that he appeals to the um, the people, the non-college educated white population in America who likes Donald Trump, but doesn't uh, who doesn't like Donald Trump, but doesn't like Bernie Sanders might vote for Joe Biden. So to calm our fears of that, I want to play you a clip of Joe Biden talking to a blue collar worker. Now, let me warn you, I'm going to we're going to try to bleep out all of the bad words here, but I'm going to warn you that what he says is explicit. And so you might want to just fast forward through this if you've got kids around, if you've got kids in the car. But here is Joe Biden talking to just your average American. These union workers that have been working countless hours under the Trump administration, I'd like you to explain how you plan to not only keep us working, but how you intend on getting the union vote when there is a large portion of the union workers that are gun enthusiasts and you are actively trying to diminish your Second Amendment right and take away our guns. You're full of All right, thank you. Now, shush. Shush. I support the Second Amendment. Second Amendment, just like right now, if you yell fire, that's not free speech. But from the very beginning, I have a shotgun, I have a 20 gauge, a 12 gauge, my son's hunt. Guess what? You're not allowed to own any weapon. I'm not taking your gun away at all. You need 100 rounds. So when you were in Beto, no. when you said you're going to take our guns, that I did blood. not say that. So, so that's that's how Joe Biden handles conflict. Like that's how he handles confrontation, not with another leader, like not with a politician, not with anyone who is even adversarial, not with someone who is violent or something like that. But someone who is asking a basic question, and I feel bad for the guy. Like the guy obviously had a lot of courage. He's just your average hardworking American. You can see that he had written down what he wanted to say on his phone and was reading it to Joe Biden, which I think is a really good 
technique because you want to, you know, you want to remember what you plan to say. And sometimes when you get in those situations, you can get, you know, nervous, adrenaline, it gets caught up and you don't want to regret not saying the thing that you really wanted to say. So he's reading it to Joe Biden, obviously sincere, but confrontational, which I think is fine. Joe Biden completely condescending, completely shuts him down. Like it's one thing to be defensive. It's one thing to not like what the other person is saying. It's another thing to call someone explicit names and to say they're full of you know what. I mean, and then there are conservatives, liberals, whatever on Twitter saying, oh my gosh, you know, the people who are criticizing Joe Biden for this, but who defend Donald Trump, who is crass. Oh, you just, you're a hypocrite. You stop talking. I'm sorry. I, I have criticized Trump for being crass before. So I think that I have a right to say what I'm about to say. But even if I had Even if I hadn't talked about how I don't like some of the things that Donald Trump says to people, how he talks to people, how he talks about people, even though even if I hadn't criticized him for those things, I think I would still have a right to say that what Joe Biden did in this clip is bad and that I don't think Trump would do this. I really don't. Am I being naive here? I mean, he might say a lot of things about other leaders. He might say a lot of things about people in the media. There was that one time he went after the Gold Star family, and that was just a really bad, that was a bad look. Like, that's not something that I recommend people do. But uh, he usually goes after the people who are in power. He's not going after particular voters. Like he is not confronting people. He's not confronting people who disagree with him, voters who disagree with him by saying that they're full of BS. I just, I honestly do not believe that Donald Trump would do that. I just don't. Like I think Joe Biden and you know, someone I was uh, with dinner at someone, I was with dinner at someone. I was at dinner with someone about a year ago who knows Joe Biden and who lived close to Joe Biden, lived in their neighborhood and told me Joe Biden is treats people terribly. He treats people Uh, who work with him terribly. And that, to me, I was like, you know what? That's just, I don't know. I never repeated that. That's just a rumor. That's, you know, just what someone thinks. And maybe it still is. There are a lot of things that people could say about Donald Trump or anyone else that we shouldn't take to heart. So I'm telling you, take that with a grain of salt. But then I watched this video and I'm like, okay, now you see the claws come out. Now you see that he's not just sweet Uncle Joe. Now you see that this is who he really is. Maybe we could give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe we could just say that this was a bad moment, except he's done the same thing to other people. So I'm going to play you another clip from a town hall that happened uh, a couple months ago that was also super bizarre like that one. You don't hear that in MSNBC. You did not hear that at all. What you heard? Look, okay, I'm not going to get in an argument with you, man. Well, yeah, you do. But uh, but look, look, here's the deal. Here's the deal. It looks, it looks like you don't have your back more So he called this guy, he said, hey, fat, uh, an overweight guy. Hey, fat, I'm telling you, Donald Trump would not do that. So I don't want to hear any conversation, uh, any comment from anyone that says that, you know, Uh, Joe Biden has more dignity than Donald Trump. He is above the fray. He's above reproach. He would never talk the way that Donald Trump does. He is not as disrespectful as Donald Trump. There's going to be people. There's going to be 
Christians who justify their vote for Joe Biden by saying something like that. Well, guess what? Joe Biden is not only just as crude, just even more, I would say, crude and crass and rude uh, than Donald Trump. He also supports infanticide. So there's really no winning with Joe Biden if you're a Christian and you're trying to vote according to a biblical worldview. You can make your arguments against Donald Trump, but you can't make an argument from a Christian worldview for Joe Biden. Even just the abortion portion alone is enough to make you say, Nope, my vote's not going to be for him. But even if you're trying to build some argument based on decorum, like based on dignity and politeness, you're not going to get that with Joe Biden. I don't think you're going to get that with Bernie Sanders either. But to say something positive about Bernie Sanders, which I rarely have any justification for doing, I don't think that he would do this either. This is just bizarre. I I really don't. I mean, you've seen Bernie Sanders all worked up and we're about to actually play a clip of him being very befuddled, but he doesn't react in this way. He seems to have it together. He seems to be more respectful than Joe Biden is. I mean, this is very revealing of who Joe Biden is and what he thinks about people. So if we ever had the idea that Joe Biden is one of the people that he is, uh, you know, uh, one of he he's like an average American and he's a champion of the blue collar worker. I don't think so. I think he is just as condescending as anyone who has been in politics for as long as he has. He thinks he's better than you. Okay. He thinks he's better than me. He come he tries to, you know, adopt this persona as being Barack's best friend, as being cool Uncle Joe, sweet Uncle Joe, this kind of paternalistic guy that we can all get along with. I I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is this is bad. And I'm not saying every single part of his life or every single part of his character is bad. We are all vulnerable to criticism. We all have bad days. We all have bad moments. And if every single part of our lives were filmed, we would probably be embarrassed by something that we say each day. So I understand that I am not trying to condemn his entire character, but this has now happened multiple times to where he cannot take honest, honest confrontation from voters. It's in his aide, his poor aide trying to tell him, hey, Joe, like, let's let's get out of here in the first clip that we played. And he just turns to her and says, shush, shush. Like, are we going to get any criticism of sexism, of misogyny, of at least being patronizing, condescending to his aide who is realizing that her boss is in over his head, that he doesn't have an answer for this. Oh, we haven't even talked about the fact that he said AR-14s. AR-14s, guys. And these people think that they need to be in charge, in charge of the country and in charge of uh, our our guns because he said that he was going to put Beto O'Rourke in charge of the whole gun problem, the so-called gun problem. Well, Beto O'Rourke said that he is going to confiscate our guns, forcibly confiscate our guns. So that's really, that's exciting. That's, That's some exciting stuff. So I just wanted to play you those two clips so you could laugh along with me. And again, this is not, making fun of Joe Biden. It's pointing out the the public instances of him being not not a great, not a great guy, not a great champion of the people that he says that he is. Okay, I want to play you a Bernie Sanders clip that I found amusing and also sad. And then we're gonna get to Busy Phillips and and all of that good stuff. So 
Bernie Sanders was at a town hall, Fox News. I commend him and every other Democrat for doing town halls with Fox News. They don't like Fox News. They are rude about Fox News, many of them. The last, I believe it was the last town hall that, or maybe it was a couple town halls ago that Bernie Sanders did with Fox News. He made a point to uh, call out Fox News and, and, and make fun of them. Kirsten Gillibrand did that. Remember her? That was a long time ago. And I just think that's very rude and very impolite to do. But, you know, respect to you as a liberal, as a leftist, as a communist like Bernie Sanders to go on Fox News where, you know, they um, a lot of the hosts don't have your same views. So he goes on there and he is asked about socialism and asked about the Nordic countries. And uh, this is his response. If you look at examples in Sweden and Denmark, they have been lowering or cutting property taxes, lowering corporate taxes, allowing vouchers for schools, for public schools and private schools, which is one of the reasons why their education has improved. The founder of IKEA, who famously came back, came back, left his home country, moved here, has now gone back because he says the tax environment for him is getting better. So they appear to be moving away more towards market reform and not towards what you're describing you'd like to see here. All right. But if you and I'm not an expert on the current economy in Sweden, but disagree with me if you want. Does Sweden guarantee health care to all people as a human right? Yeah, but they're finding other ways to pay for it. So good on Martha McCallum for pushing back on him. And he doesn't have an answer for this, guys. Like, he doesn't have an answer. He says, the kind of socialism that I'm talking about, I'm talking about uh, the Nordic countries. Like, everyone loves Sweden. Everyone loves Norway. That's what I'm talking about. Well, why can't we do that? Well, first of all, Sweden and Norway, number one, they are not socialist countries. They are capitalist countries with a welfare state. So they've got Sweden has a flat tax of 60 percent. So no matter uh, no matter how much money you make, you're paying 60 percent of taxes. Well, the way that people make money, the reason why people have a good amount of money, most people in Sweden is because they have a basically free market. So capitalism, you have to have capitalism in order to fund welfare, in order to fund your social programs. And that's what the Nordic countries have. They are basically, in many ways, free markets with a high tax rate, but a flat tax rate. At least Sweden does. Now, in the United States, we have a very progressive tax rate. So the richer you are, the more you are going to pay, not just the dollar amount, but the higher percentage you are going to pay. So when people in this country talk about the rich paying their fair share, so what is actually fair? They already pay the vast majority of the taxes in this country. If you want a truly fair tax system, everyone should be paying the same percentage. Now, the dollar amount is going to be smaller the less you make, uh, and the dollar amount is obviously going to be higher the more you make, but the same percentage, that would be flat and that would be fair. So when people on the left say that the rich need to be paying their fair share, it's a really good question to ask, well, what is actually fair and who determines what fair is? The Nordic countries actually have a fair, in a lot of senses, tax system. The other reason that that system works to have such a large nanny state and such a large welfare state with so many social programs, there is a large social safety net, is because they're a lot smaller than we are and they have a very, very restrictive immigration system. It is very hard to become a citizen in those Nordic countries. But you have Bernie Sanders advocating simultaneously for socialism, for heavy welfare and open borders. Well, that that can't go hand in hand because you 
are not able to financially support, one, you're not able to uh, financially support these social programs if you don't have free markets, which is not what Bernie Sanders is advocating for here. And you also just don't have the money to be able to support all of the people that are going to be coming into our country if we decriminalize border crossings, for example, if we abolish ICE, for example, if we give all illegal immigrants a quick path to citizenship so that they don't have to wait in line like the millions of other people have been doing responsibly for many years, we just there's no mathematical way for us to be able to support with our tax money all of the people that are going to be weighing on our system. So the kind of system that Bernie Sanders is advocating for here actually cannot be seen uh, on the world stage. And it can't be seen. There's not a success story for what Bernie Sanders is advocating for throughout history. In fact, every time anything like this has been tried, it has failed. You can't have open borders. You can't have as big of a country as we do. You can't have this kind of progressive tax system to where you are taxing the billionaires and the millionaires out of their wealth completely and still be able to fund all of the social programs that he thinks that we need. But my point is that people don't really care. Like people don't care who support Bernie Sanders. They just like his enthusiasm. They like his moral arguments. They like that he is presenting a rebellion. He is presenting a revolution. It makes people feel good. It makes people feel virtuous. And they say, yeah, we should take care of the poor. Yeah, people should have health care. Yeah, education should be free. And all of it sounds really good. When Bernie Sanders tweets that the coronavirus vaccine sounds really good, uh, uh, or when he tweets that, it sounds really good. Sorry, I got lost. I, I lost my train of thought, had a Joe Biden moment for a second there. Uh, it sounds really good and it makes people feel good about themselves. Socialism, like I've said many times, makes young people feel virtuous without ever having to get off the couch. But it doesn't work. The kind of system that Bernie Sanders is advocating for doesn't work. And this clip that we just played showed that he doesn't even know. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. But he has been saying ideas that halfway, that in a fractured way, sound good for his entire political career, but doesn't actually have anything to show for it. And I think the fact that uh, the Democratic Party is about to probably nominate Joe Biden shows my optimism and my hope is that it shows that people realize that. Now, I do worry as the years go on and as socialism maybe becomes more mainstream and the younger the electorate is, and unfortunately, as poor as the as much of our public education system is, this is likely that People won't have that kind of wisdom. They won't have that kind of discernment to look at someone like Bernie Sanders and to say, "Okay, he sounds good, but he's not actually a good leader. And the ideas that he's trying to implement don't actually work elsewhere. I mean, just ask people in Canada what their health care, what their health care is actually like and uh, what they would do if they couldn't come to the United States to get the care immediately that they need. Life-saving surgery, many times, a pain-relieving surgery that you need in Canada, you have to wait months, sometimes years for, because that's what a socialized system is. It doesn't prioritize the. It doesn't prioritize your healthcare needs based on how emergent it is. It just can't do it. But the United States, thankfully, even though our system isn't perfect, you can get almost immediate care for the things that you actually need 
uh, care for. So I hope people are able to see that and that we continue for the rest of history to battle against the Bernie Sanderses of America, the AOCs of America in the battlefield of ideas. I, I really do hope that. Now, I want to move on. Oh, I wanted to tell you, this is what I was going to say before we move on to the Busy Phillips thing, because this is just too much for us. I wanted to give an example of the amazingness of capitalism. I was thinking about this yesterday. I started this thing where I started writing down like one thought every day. Uh, I was thinking about just the amazingness uh, of capitalism. So I was talking to someone who is a a babysitter for a family and this uh, mom works and the dad works, the mom works part time and pays a babysitter to come uh, sometimes. And the babysitter is an immigrant from Africa. She's been here for a long time. She's becoming a citizen and she helps out her family who is still in Africa. Well, ever since she got this babysitting job just for a few hours every week and she's been paid from that, she has been able to take the extra money that her family now has here, send it over to her family in Africa. And her family in Africa, for the first time, was able to install solar power. So they have he, they have electricity for the first time in their lives in rural Africa. That's the amazingness of capitalism. So because these two parents have jobs that uh, have some kind of value in the market that they are paid for, they are able to pay a babysitter for the valuable work that she brings to their lives. And she is able to use the money that she she has to help her family that is in Africa. That is one example of how capitalism and not socialism is compassionate. Now, in a socialist system, that wouldn't happen. Everyone would be taken care of. You wouldn't have to hire a babysitter because you would have state-sponsored child care, you know, universal child care, all of that. And your family would be taken care of. Your needs would be met. But you wouldn't have any of that extra money any of that extra capital to be able to help the other people who need it. There is no charity in a socialist system. You don't have the ability to send money over to your poor parents in Africa to make sure that they have electricity for the first time in their lives. That is why capitalism, not socialism, is compassionate. Because people, when they are freed, when they are given the opportunity to make money and then given the freedom to be charitable and to be generous, many people take that opportunity. You don't get generosity in a socialist system. There is greed and generosity in a capitalist system, there's only greed in a socialist system. It is the gospel of envy, as Winston Churchill said. So I just wanted to to give that one point. Okay. Now, for this amazing protest that happened in front of the Supreme Court. So there is a Supreme Court case that's going on and it has to do with uh, it has to do with Louisiana passing this law that says if you are an abortion clinic, you have to have admitting privileges in a hospital in case something goes wrong. Pretty simple, right? Sounds pretty pro-woman. So if something goes wrong in the abortion, which does happen either for the woman or the child, the uh, abortion clinic has admitting privileges into uh, a hospital for the case of an emergency. Very simple. Well, abortion activists are very, very upset about this because they say they say that it is a, a more of a restriction on abortion access, and they think it's just terrible that doctors should have to have admitting privileges with uh, a hospital because they. Think think that if you know something goes wrong in a woman's abortion procedure then she should just be left there to fend for herself and they say oh that never ever happened so really great bunch all of them and apparently i don't know why the abortion 
advocates of the world have decided that Busy Phillips, Busy Phillips is going to be their spokesperson, but they have. And I just want to play you a little bit of her inspiring speech. Here I was sitting in Los Angeles in my beautiful office of my own late night talk show. Soon I would be driving my hybrid car to my beautiful home to kiss my two beautiful and healthy children and my husband who had taken the year off to parent so I could focus on my career. All of this, all of it, because, because, because I was allowed bodily autonomy at 15. What? What? Okay, so this is why feminists talk a lot about how men don't take women seriously. And how men are really the reason for they're they're really the reason for our problems. It's the patriarchy that oppresses us. Have we ever considered that maybe it's feminists? Like maybe, maybe it's radical feminists that are holding us back. Like, do you watch this and you're like, you know, that's a woman that I respect. Like that's a woman who I'm taking seriously. This this is doing a lot. Thank you, Busy Phillips. This is doing a lot for advancing women's rights and getting men to see that we are equal, that we are honorable, that we can do everything that a man can. No, I watch this and I say, okay, no wonder men call women emotional. No wonder they call us unhinged. No wonder they say that we don't have the same toughness that they do. I mean, this is absolutely hysterical. This is hysterical. This is not a compelling argument. I want you to compare Busy Phillips's screed to the well-reasoned arguments and the speeches that you hear from pro-life advocates, from anyone, really anyone that you know in the media, on the front lines, any kind of celebrity, any kind of journalist who has made a pro-life argument. Have you ever seen something like this? No, but you get her and you get people like Chuck Schumer getting up there and saying that uh, Gorsuch and that Kavanaugh need to watch out because they're coming for them. I mean, actually making a threat towards two Supreme Court justices. Really, I mean, it's no wonder that this movement is increasingly not taken seriously. And it's no wonder that feminism is increasingly not taken seriously, taken seriously when they are so violent with their rhetoric, when they're so aggressive and so, like I said, hysterical. I mean, busy Phillips, calm the heck down. And not to even not to even mention the just absolute evil of the things that she is saying. So she's saying because she drives an electric car, because she has a big house now, because she has her own talk show, which I don't know, 13 people might be watching. I have no idea. I've never seen it before. Uh, That all of these things were worth killing her child for. I mean, they exchange the truth of God for a lie. That scripture is so true. Romans 1 is so true of these people. And we should be praying for Busy Phillips. Like, I pray that God would change her heart of stone into a heart of flesh because he can absolutely do this. And I want us to just look at Busy Phillips, all of the things that she lists in her life for why her life is so awesome and great. Do you think that she's telling the truth? Does she seem like a, a an emotionally stable person? Does she seem happy? Does she seem joyful and fulfilled? Does she seem like she's proud of the choices that she 
has made in her life. To me, it doesn't seem like that at all. It seems like she is trying desperately to justify the mistake that she knows that she made when she was 15. She would never admit that until Jesus changes her heart, which I pray that he does. Uh, She would never admit that because of course, I mean, you don't want to deal with that kind of regret and that hurt and that trauma and all of that. It's much easier to yell and scream and throw crazy temper tantrums like this to cover up any kind of pain or guilt that you might be feeling. I mean, that's what's behind all of these shout your abortion movements. This whole abortion is moral movement that is happening on the left. I mean, it's absolute craziness, but I want you to be honest with yourself. If you're a feminist and you're listening to Busy Phillips or are you like, this is someone that I want to emulate? Like, I want to be like her. I want to replicate that attitude in my life. I don't I don't think so. And then I just want to play one other clip from an amazing leader of this country, Rashida Tlaib. Here it is. This past year, I realized, my, 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 are they obsessed with our bodies, how we talk, how we look, what we stand for. I mean, this type of policing of our bodies is so interconnected to all the social justice movements all around the country. I represent the third poorest congressional district in the country. This issue is an economic justice issue. This issue is a racial justice issue. And let me tell you, this obsession with our bodies. You know, I in the legislature, in the Michigan legislature for six years, used to say people to people, yo, yo, you know what? You're so freaking obsessed with what I decide to do with my body. Maybe you shouldn't even want to have sex with me or with you or with any woman. The power that we have over our bodies to push back and use that power and saying enough is enough. We won't stand by for you to commercialize, for you to profit, for you to do all the things you do to what? To make us less than in this country, because that's what it does. So I want you to know there is more of us than them. Again, I say, what? What? Rashida Tlaib? Like, there are a lot of things that I want to say that I'm just going to, I'm just going to not Like, I'm just going to hold back because unlike these people, I try to exercise a little bit of self-control in the things that I say, but just, I'll just leave it at, I I promise no one's thinking about that. Like, that's not why we're against the dismemberment of babies inside the womb because we're thinking about Rashida Tlaib in that way. I Like, I'm just pretty confident. I'm pretty confident that that's the case. Uh, Okay, this was a fun episode. I hope that it leads you uh, straight into your weekend in a way that you thoroughly enjoyed. And I will see you back here on Monday. For those of you, for those of you who have been wanting a Theology Monday, we are going to do a most misused on Monday. So get ready for that. I will see you guys then.